Good morning, folks. This morning, I'm going to do something uh, slightly different than I often do. Uh, And what I'm going to do is share some reflections on and snapshots of the annual meeting of Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference. So church nerds, rejoice. (laughs) Everyone else, hang in there. (laughs) I think there'll be some fun stuff along the way. Our theme, we met um, in Boise, Idaho, at the end of June, and our theme was Come Walk With Us. And there were lots of opportunities through the meeting to reflect on that theme and also to sort of live it metaphorically, to walk alongside one another. And the Boise churches hosted us marvelously. Um, I didn't check with anyone about this, but we have been invited to host in Seattle in 2020, and the pastor said yes. Surprise! (laughs) And after experiencing how great it was in Boise, it actually got me really excited. Uh, I mean, I was excited before, but it got me excited to think about how we'll do it in our way and really welcome Mennonites from across the region here and help introduce them to who we are and to our place. Uh, So it'll be really fun. And we were very well represented as a congregation all the way over in Idaho. Our congregational delegates included Darren Kellogg, who's here this morning, and Susan Lorenz, and uh, Carl Lind, and, drumroll please, the only high school-aged delegates from the whole conference. Delegates, plural. Sage Lind and Thalia Neufeld represented our congregation as delegates, and I was very proud to brag about our teenage delegates to anyone who would listen, including to the new executive director of Midnight Church USA. (laughs) And I continue to be proud that we proclaim, not with our words, um, but with our actions, that the youth aren't the future of the church, or at least aren't just the future of the church. They are the present of the church. Thanks be to God. Jonathan and I participated as pastoral delegates, and Melanie participated as a member of the prayer team who was holding the entire meeting in prayer. And that prayer team was convened by and led by Pat Shaver, who was also accompanied by Bill Shaver to the meeting. And Jennifer Delante was also there. She was pitching in with our conference minister, Catherine Jamison Pitts, and providing some administrative help behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And she was accompanied by her father, Hugh. So we were very well represented, um, an exceptional showing from Seattle Mennonite Church. Now, in the past several years, the role of delegate to the conference has shifted in similar ways as the role of delegate to the denomination. So both at the sort of regional level and also at the national level, increasingly, we've moved away from delegates trying to hash things out and make decisions on really substantive or sticky issues when, realistically, we only spend a couple of hours together every year or two. And so there's been kind of this shift in the role of delegate, both at the conference level and the national church level, so that the role of delegate is more about creating a time of connecting with delegates from other congregations, equipping so that the conference or the denomination provides us with resources or information that we can bring back to our church contexts, and then storytelling. So lots of storytelling about 
how God is alive and well in our various contexts. So we, we kicked that off, that new role of delegates, right away with our roll call in which, um, so the last couple of years at conference, Catherine has invited a representative from each congregation to respond to some kind of prompt. So rather than just naming all the churches or maybe seeing their locations on a map, we actually get to hear from one person, person from each congregation one way, and this, this year it was one way in which the church is walking with Jesus. So we were represented very well by one of our high school delegates, still proud, um, Thalia Newfeld, who at the prompt, so when Seattle Mennonite Church was named, she said, at Seattle Mennonite Church, we are walking as followers of Jesus by working on a way to extend our winter shelter to a year-long program, and we are grateful for the interfaith network of folks who are dedicated to doing this work alongside us. So that was just one little snippet from how we're walking with Jesus here in Seattle that was shared with the conference, and then we got to hear a little snippet from each church. So the most significant business item, and this is one of my duties as delegate, is to report uh, back to you. The most significant business item that was reported this year was the good news of the sale of the Peace Mennonite property. So this is a property that was deeded to the conference when the church closed in 2010. And it was sold for $700,000 to another church, a non-Mennonite church. Uh, So as Lee was asking me earlier this week, it won't be torn down and developed into condos. So another church has taken over this space and will continue the tradition of it being a sacred space for worship. So the board has decided to take the bulk of those proceeds, $650,000 of them, and create a sustainability endowment fund. And the goal of this is to live for a long time, the endowment fund, and that the, the interest um, or you know, the returns each year would come into conference as income in order to bring our income up to zero. So essentially this endowment fund is expected to allow us to pass balanced budgets each year and to be able to meet our expenses. Then the remaining $50,000 of it was set up to be a healthy congregations grant fund. And increasingly the conference has talked about its mission is to support healthy congregations. So whatever it is that makes our congregation healthy or evergreen over in Kirkland. So they set up this granting fund. They anticipate that that they'll spend down in the next 10 to 15 years. So they'll be putting out grants to congregations that request them, and then they'll spend it down. And there are more details on both of these things to be worked out in the coming year. So that's the business. So now on to to some uh, fun details. The food was amazing. Some of the best conference food I have ever had in my entire life. It was all vegetarian, and I think even the meat eaters didn't complain. There was attention to gluten uh, intolerances, and uh, a lot of it was locally and seasonally sourced. And it was just tasty. It was just good food. Um, Yeah, some of the best in my life. The board, again, hosted pastors and chaplains and other credentialed folks and their spouses for an evening of food and appreciation. So that's how it kicks off every year is with an appreciation event, which is really nice. 
And one afternoon, there were even some service opportunities. And this is the first, in my experience, at PNMC for there to be actual service projects as part of the gathering, um, including the option of lobbying, since the state capitol is right there. And so several folks went and did some lobbying, including our own Susan Lorentz, who I didn't even know had a lobbying background, but she drew on that uh, and joined the the crowd that went. So you'll have to ask her more about her experience of that. Um, There were also a number of good workshop options. So I spent two, I confess, of my workshop uh, times with the executive director of Mennonite Church USA, the new one, Glenn Guyton, and there's going to be more on him soon, so stay tuned. Um, Part of the reason why I did too is because he did a completely open Q&A, so there was new content in the second session as well, so he wasn't just presenting something, he was just in conversation. And then I spent the third and final workshop slot with our conference minister, Catherine Jameson Pitts, and she introduced us to the Journey Forward Study Guide that was produced by the denomination, by the National Church. And it's an outgrowth of the Future Church Summit that took place in Orlando last summer, and that was a whole lot of insider speak right there. So some of you, I'm sure, who are paying attention to this stuff are lapping it up. Others of you are um, probably tuned out at this point and completely uninterested. So, if it's all feeling new to you, just kind of let it wash over you. There's going to be other opportunities for it to kind of soak in more um, if you want it to. And if you don't want it to, you're still welcome in this place. (laughs) This is just part of who we are on the larger scale. So, the journey forward process for Mennonite Church USA is an attempt to articulate a very clear and simple center about who we are as Mennonites in the United States. Now this is oversimplified, but here are the three shared renewed commitments. That's what the denomination is called, renewed commitments. One, follow Jesus. Two, witness to God's peace. And three, experience transformation. In other words, as Mennonites in Mennonite Church USA, these are the three things that we're saying or that we're testing now that we all commit to, each in our own ways and in our own contexts, but following Jesus, witnessing to God's peace, and experiencing transformation. So Mennonite Church USA has put together this study guide about these new, newly articulated, uh, this newly articulated core. And they're looking for feedback before the end of the year on that study guide. So Catherine led us through a sample session, and I'm looking forward to this fall, sometime this fall, leading us in at least, for those who are interested, in at least a four-week series using this study guide so that we can do some Bible study, we can wrestle with Mennonite identity, and do some storytelling about how we live these values in our lives and in our context. Um, You might have thought that I moved on from the fun details section of this reporting, but I'm still in it. So, uh, finally, in this fun details theme, there was much more spaciousness in this gathering than than there has been in the past several years that I've gone. It felt less like we were rolling in last minute, attend to some quick and compressed stuff, and then hit the road to get back to Seattle. Um, And some of that surely had to do with the fact that because Boise was further away than the last gatherings, 
For example, I had made arrangements to not have to be back here on Sunday morning, and that gave us some spaciousness. But also the conference just was longer. It took up more time, and so there was more time then in those days for pauses and for space to just hang out and talk and check in with one another, get to know one another, and that was really good. So, And so was sticking around to worship with Hyde Park Midnight Fellowship in Boise. So uh, Darren and I were there from this congregation, and then probably half the people in the room that day were other conference people from all over who had done the same thing. And it was just really nice to be with them in their space. The spaciousness also allowed our SMC contingent and friends to enjoy things like a local brewery, vegan donuts, soft serve ice cream, One of the most amazing French fry places I've ever been to where you actually get to pick between six different potatoes and then five different cuts. So you pick your potato and which cut, and then there's a whole array of dipping sauces. It's like heaven for me. And we also finally got to experience Basque food on Boise's Basque block. Did you know that the largest Basque population outside of the Basque region near the Pyrenees and the French-Spanish border is in Boise, Idaho. I didn't either. (laughs) So there's this great block filled with Basque restaurants and a cultural center and a, a community that's lived there for a couple generations now. Okay, I promised I would circle back to Glenn Guyton, the new executive director for Midnight Church USA. And... Um, Catherine, our conference minister, was very proud to have invited him to be our speaker before he was named executive director. So since then, he's received lots of invitations to come lots of places, but we already had him on lock. And y'all, he's pretty great. He's pretty great. When our former executive director, Irvin Stutzman, announced his retirement last year, I shared with a number of people that Glenn Guyton was on top of my realistic list. Um, And real talk here, I have a very long unrealistic list of people who would be awesome in that role and never in a million years get hired. But Glenn's atop my realistic list, and I was impressed. He preached, he spoke. He shared stories from uh, across his life. Um, He frequently had us in stitches. He has the timing of a stand-up comic. I mean, he really could legit take it on the road. He's hysterical. Can I get a witness from anybody who was there? Yeah, he's funny. Um, He was inspiring. His communication style is refreshingly not Germanic Mennonite. Glenn was a member of the Air Force as a young man, and he was in the Air Force for a number of years, and he eventually left as a conscientious objector, and he's been a leader in the Mennonite Church for several decades since then. He's African-American, he's a father of two, he lives in San Antonio, Texas, he hosts his own podcast, which Darren and I tested out on our drive home, and we learned in Boise, he's an accomplished baker of cakes. And apparently his wife doesn't like cake. So he just bakes cakes and eats them all. I don't know, shares them with people. Speaking frankly, I posted a photo of Glenn on Instagram while I was there. And in the caption, I wrote this. Those of you who follow me on Instagram already have seen this, perhaps. 
Glenn Guyton is just what the doctor ordered. I have more hope for our national church than I've maybe ever had. That is to say, I actually have some hope. Huh, that's new. And welcome. Indeed. In his preaching, Glenn reflected on the theme of come walk with us, drawing on his own experiences of lessons learned while walking and exploring how we might best journey with Jesus and with one another. And our text for the weekend is the one you've heard a couple times in a couple versions this morning, the New Living Translation and the Message, both of which guided our worship together in Boise. And in the Message Translation, which you heard with the kids' time, Jesus extends the invitation in this way, walk with me and work with me. And that's where Glenn sort of dove in with his preaching, is that walking with Jesus and walking with one another. Now, in terms of his thoughts on the church and his role as executive director, there are some snippets from him that echoed with me. One of the things he said in one of the Q&A sessions is that newer, emerging, younger generations push boundaries. That's just what they do, he said. And from the grassroots... Change filters up to eventual institutional change. And just to hear him name that forthrightly was really refreshing. You're going to hear that word a lot, I think. He emphasized over and over and over again the centrality of local contextual ministry. He kept saying it. Mennonite Church USA, in other words, is here, right here, in this room, and the things that we do together outside this room. Mennonite Church USA is in Boise, it's in Goshen, it's in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Mennonite Church USA is wherever its churches are, and the ministry of Mennonite Church USA is whatever we are doing. The purpose of the denomination, the national church, is to equip churches to do their local contextual ministry as well as they can, and to provide some administrative support. So that's his vision for what the denomination does. The denomination equips local contextual ministry and provides some administrative support. Our peace witness as Mennonites, and you can imagine, given some of Glenn's autobiography that you've heard just a brief bit about um, in the Air Force, our peace witness for him is most important. And he thinks it's imperative. It's imperative in our world today. That's what we most have to offer the world together, collectively, is that peace witness. Um, And so he wants to see us stop our infighting and get on the business of, of doing that work in the world. Glenn acknowledged that the executive board has overstepped its bounds in past years. I've never heard a denominational leader state something like that so bluntly. He said, yep, they've overstepped their bounds in the last couple of years. And he didn't say it in a judgmental, critical way. He said they've been finding their way. But I've had a front row seat, he said, to seeing some of those oversteps. And so he sees his role as holding our denomination accountable to the things that we've said we want to do and be together, the rules that we've set for ourselves. And when the rules that we've set for ourselves no longer work, to change them. So that's what he sees his role as with the executive board, is to hold us accountable to the rules we've set for ourselves and to change them when they don't no longer work for us. He says he's not worried about churches leaving the denomination. I pressed him on that. Uh, I said, really? 
<laughs> also, what's your secret? <laughs> um, and he, he held to it uh, and seemed genuinely non-anxious. He said, that's not my job to worry about what churches might be on their way out. Jesus did all the saving that needs to be done. (laughs) We just need to stay focused on our mission together, he said. And here he re-echoed those three renewed commitments that I mentioned earlier. We need to stay focused on what is at the center and the core of who we are in the world, following Jesus, witnessing to peace, and also acknowledging the transformative power of Jesus. Acknowledging, living it, um, being it in the world. Okay, that's a bit of Glenn Guyton. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more in the years to come. But finally, a highlight of the weekend uh, for me, and I think for many of us, was the raw tools service that we held outside on a street corner, city street corner. Some of you maybe attended the raw tools event that was at the well in Queen Anne, up on top of Queen Anne a number of years ago. And if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a blacksmithing father-son duo, Mennonite blacksmiths, father-son duo from Colorado, who, in the spirit of beating your swords into plowshares from Isaiah and Micah, those prophetic visions, are going around the country pounding actual guns into actual garden tools. Yep. And a few weeks before, the pastor at Hyde Park Mennonite Fellowship in Boise, Mark Schlegel is his name, he still didn't have a gun. It seemed unlikely that an announcement to his small Mennonite church would yield a gun donation, but he gave it a shot. And a family who was there for only the third time ever approached him after the service, and they said, yeah, actually, we do have a handgun at home. We don't want it any longer, and we don't want it to be in the market. We'll get you a gun. So they donated it to the effort, and they showed up that night with the gun, and it's a tradition at these raw tool services to share the story of the gun as part of the service. And they thought, oh, there's no story here. I thought, there's a story here. It's a simple one. It's a quick one. But had a gun in their possession, didn't want it any longer, and didn't want it in circulation. That's a pretty good story, I think. Unbeknownst to Mark, on the night of the service, three more unexpected guns showed up to be sawed into pieces and pounded into garden tools. And we also, in that service, got to hear the powerful testimonies testimonies of two women, each a survivor of gun violence, both of whom have taken their trauma of that surviving um, and started to transform it into thriving and also... Um, turning it into action, advocating publicly and tirelessly and so bravely for an end to gun violence and for common sense gun laws. The Idaho Press ran a front page article the next day with the headline, Mennonite blacksmiths forge guns into garden tools. I posted it on our SMC Facebook page, so some of you may have already seen it there, and I included this caption. At the annual meeting of Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference in Boise this past weekend, we got to participate in this powerful service. Several unexpected gun donations showed up that evening, and each one was taken to the saw, the forge, and or the anvil on its way to transformation from a tool of death and destruction to a tool that gives and nurtures life. 
Local press, press wrote a great article and shared some fabulous photos, and I thought to myself, would that this became the next thing Menos were known for. So the next time someone at the airport learns that I'm a Mennonite pastor, and let me tell you about the exchanges I've had, <laughs> instead of asking about horses and buggies or Mormons, <laughs> they might say, wait, Mennonites, are you the blacksmith people that pound guns into garden tools? <laughs> yes. Why, yes, we are. <laughs> What a joy to meet with the broader church and have hope actually revived. It's amazing. Thanks be to God. So that together we can pray and act for that day when, as the psalmist sang, love and faithfulness will have met, justice and peace will have kissed, truth will have sprouted from the earth, and justice, love this image, justice, will lean down from heaven. May it be so.